Do you consider yourself a high achiever? Smart, driven, highly successful? I am so excited to have you. My name is Julia Arndt and I'm the host of the Stress Podcast. I will help you develop your stress resilience the same way you've developed your workplace superpowers. Learn peak performance tools to thrive at work and in your personal life. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Stress Podcast. I'm your host, Julia Arndt, and I'm super, super excited to welcome our next podcast guest to the show today, and it is Matt Hogan. Hi, Matt. How are you today? Hi, Julia. I'm doing well. I uh, am enjoying myself sitting in this little cottage outside of Sedona, Arizona, and it's sunny. There's beautiful hills out the windows that I'm looking at right now that no one can see, and uh, it's a good day. Oh, I love Sedona. Is it snowy there at the moment or warm? It was snowy and cold yesterday. It's sunny and warm today. Very nice. Yeah, it's a beautiful, magical place. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And that actually answers already a few of my questions that I always ask my podcast guests at the beginning of the show. There are three simple questions. The first question is, where are you located? The second one is, what time is it? And the third one is, what have you been up to? this morning before you hopped on the podcast interview with us today. Okay. Well, I, I've been living a bit all over the place for the past few years, but have spent the last few months in Sedona. And mm-hmm. I'm actually in the process of transitioning out, heading to the West Coast. So as of today, at this moment, Sedona, Arizona, it's 12, 18 p.m. And this morning, I spent some time doing some dancing, doing some riding, and then exercising. It's a good very start. Very that good start. sounds like a very nice start. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I uh, some dancing. Tell us about that. So do I do you do that every morning? I do now. Yeah. Okay. I, I was a I was a big dancer as a kid, like young kid, and by no means do I mean like structured dancing. It was just like I just like to move, uh-huh. and went throughout the years, would dance here and there at parties and things, and then started getting salsa lessons there for a bit. And then when I left the U.S. for a year, uh, I was taking lessons. And then I came to Sedona, and if you're familiar, there's an ecstatic dance community here. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I'd ever experienced ecstatic dance, where for anyone listening not familiar and they're going, what is that? It is a, it's a type of dance that's more about what does your body want to do to the music rather than following a specific method or formula and it has actually been and going into one of our topics for day crucial for my own creativity my own Mm -hmm. enjoyment and my own fulfillment so cool yeah i am actually have a really good friend and that's kind of gotten into ecstatic dance like in the last two years so through that i've kind of seen a little bit more about what that is what it is and um how to express yourself. Do you listen to specific music when you do your ecstatic dancing in the morning? I do, and it's changing up regularly. Um, Uh I have some different playlists, some that are based on sensuality. It's more sensual, you can flow with it. Some of it's more happy and joyful. You just kind of want to hop around and really like Mm -hmm. smiling. Some of it's more sexy, like that energy that's like really sexy and tasty. And mm-hmm. it really, I've got a few playlists that I'm actively creating right now to serve mm-hmm. like in the morning going, what one feels really good to listen to today? And mm-hmm. let that, that guide my, my movement as well as it always sets me up for a beautiful day. That's so cool. And do you set a specific timer 
on how long you dance? No, I typically, it, it needs to be at least one to two songs, but sometimes okay. it'll be more. And then very often I will, like after this call, there's a really good chance since it's the middle of the day, I'm going to dance some more before my mm -hmm. next call. And so I also sprinkle it throughout the day because it doesn't take much time to dance to two songs. Mm -hmm. And it totally shifts your mindset, I'm sure. It shifts so much. <laughs> Very cool. Melma, tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Mm. You know, I love the question of who you are because we can I can get so caught up and have been caught up historically in what I do and how I do it. But it all sources from who we're from, who we are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the through line for me is I've just, I spent the past two decades be being and becoming the man that's just really endlessly fascinated by this journey of self-mastery, what it means to be the fullest version and expression of myself. Mm -hmm. And that's mind, that's body, that's spirit, that's business, that's everything that basically comes through me. And it's taking me these past two decades where I continue to tap into what we might call our intuition, our inner guidance, our inner teacher. And so for me, I live a constant path of how do I go deeper into what my own truth is and allow that to be what surfaces in my life. So as a person, what I would just say most simply is I'm someone that just is endlessly curious about what makes a full rewarding life. Mm -hmm. And how did that journey start two decades ago? <laughs> it's it's so to see if I can put it in a nutshell. It started at the lows of depression in 2004 when I attempted to take my own life with suicide, mm -hmm. and then that took that what is what opened up the door for this new energy that said, "I'm going to live a full life. I am going to figure it out." I'm going to do whatever I need to do, and I'm going to live this fullest version of myself, this potential that I could feel burning in my belly. Mm -hmm. And I've been on that path for two decades, and it started at the lows of depression and attempted to take my life. Mm -hmm. And then that followed me through university, through the highs of corporate climbing. That took me through so much learning and depth and growth when my fiance and I separated back six years ago. And then that even took me out of corporate where I traveled the world for a year. And it has continued to inform and inspire me daily. And that, that is also the lens and the essence and the energy and the work I support with my clients with. It's literally, who are you? And what is wanting to be birthed into your life through the depth of who you are? Mm -hmm. And so I really spend a lot of time with my clients, helping them come to know their own inner voice that is often so clouded and confusing when we've got years of emotional baggage with us We've got people telling us to do this, to do that, to be healthy, do this, to live right, and trying to find that quiet voice in us that knows, oh, this is the right way, is what I really help people with, and then bring it out into their lives. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And what happened in that moment when, you know, you were at the low of depression and, you know, and you shifted from taking, you know, attempting to take your life to finding kind of that joy again and finding that desire to live well there was, was that, the the was actual that like a person yeah say that again well i'm no please go you go for it first and then i'll i'll do a follow-up question if you don't um, it. <laughs> so there's the actual the actual moment when i attempted my life and i put a bullet in my head mm -hmm. and um, thanksgiving 2004 and then i woke up from a coma two weeks later 
And I actually, that night that I shot myself was the first time I ever heard my own inner voice. That It was a voice that I'd never heard in myself ever. Like mm -hmm. my voice up until that point in my life, my mind was really busy. It was constantly hectic. The inner critic was driving me nuts. Uh, my emotions were all over the place. But that night I heard that a very clear, firm voice that says, you will not die today. And then a couple of weeks later, I woke up in the hospital and they, I was told I may never walk again. And I was in a wheelchair. And I remember being out on the roof of that building, that medical center. And that same voice came back to me and said, you are not meant to live this way. And I literally felt a visceral response in my body or my entire body like lit up like it was on fire. And it was like this, this on switch turned on that I'd never experienced before. And all of a sudden I went from this person that couldn't even imagine a brighter future for tomorrow to everything is about this possibility of this huge dream of a beautiful life and nothing is going to stop me from it. And it was like that. It literally was like in a moment. Oh. And then and you, were, you could walk again? And then I actually, from that moment, I went into the process of relearning to walk again. Mm -hmm. Well, how long did that take you? Three or four weeks. It didn't take that long. Okay. It was really interesting to see when they told me I may never walk again, how quickly I was actually able to recoup when I, because I had Make a lot a of decision, people, right? I had a lot of people that were trying to like, oh, just stay comfortable and like, Like, whoa, woe is me, like trying to pamper me. And I'm like, no, I'm going to get out of this thing. Because there were times I was falling on the floor. I was dragging my legs across the floor, like trying to mm -hmm. figure out how I was going to walk again. Because I refused to accept that as my life. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying there's, you know, there's not cases where that wouldn't work out. But in my case, it did. And mm -hmm. I refused to accept it. And I'm mm -hmm. clearly walking again. Mm -hmm. And so when that inner voice came to you, was that kind of that realization of, okay, I'm here and I'm protected and I do want to live this life? Like, I mean, it's such a strong shift bet right between, you know, the deep, deep depression and like trying to take your life to, I'm actually, I'm gonna live my life very differently now. And so the question is, What specific? So the, um, I I think I wonder, you know, how did that shift happen? Was that immediate? Like, you know, you woke up and you heard that voice and that kind of made you um, completely change your life? Or was that more gradual that you woke up and maybe you woke up and you were like, shit, I'm still alive. I don't know. You know, right. You're, you're kind of in a yeah. depression state. Um, and then how, how did you, what did change in your life after that? So there's a couple of ways I want to break that down. There is mm -hmm. the life before that moment I heard that voice mm -hmm. and the life after. And then mm -hmm. also what it means to actually live these things. So mm -hmm. up until that point, there was no part of me that believed I could have a good life. There was mm -hmm. no part of me that felt like I could have a good future, good relationships, good money, any of those things. Mm -hmm. It was pretty, pretty, felt pretty powerless to be clear. Mm -hmm. After that voice spoke to me, there became an, what I would call a knowing, a realization that, no, I can have better. I'm meant to have better. I'm meant to experience better. Now, that realization is what actually allowed me to even continue to move forward because it was like, oh, there is more for me. There is something to work towards to experience. But then the, 
you take that realization and then you go into daily life. I had to continually day by day, keep finding my way back to what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Where am I going? Why am I going there? Why is it important? And I fell off the path of that voice many times, but mm -hmm. oftentimes would find my way back pretty quickly. Sometimes I went pretty far when I was engaged for about a year and a half. I kind of lost sight of it all. Mm -hmm. And then when we separated, it was like I was like immediately brought back to that that thread. Mm -hmm. And so it is a I, I call it a winding and twisty road where we have a big realization. We allow it to fuel our lives for a while, but then we forget, and then we remember, then we forget, mm -hmm. then we remember. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, when I look back at the past two decades, it has been the golden thread throughout the past two decades. But along the way, in that golden thread, I've kind of like, oh, I've, what am I doing over here in the forest? Or what am I doing over here in the clouds? I get away a little ways, and then something in my life reminds me, oh, yeah, come back to this, come back to mm -hmm. finding that that through line that says, this is your life. This is the way you're meant to walk. Do you have any specific routines or habits that support you and kind of pulling yourself back in when you're wandering away from that? If I'm starting to get really wrapped up in what other people are saying I should do, think I should do, or, or is the right way for me, I know that's a sign for me to take a minute to detach from what everyone's saying. Mm -hmm. Take in, be clear about what do I actually want to take in from people? Because it's not that all people's information is bad. It's that we have to discern what we let in and what we decide from with that letting in. Mm -hmm. And so one of the big practices is discerning when to cut off external information, what to take from it, and then go into myself and say, hey, given all this, what's actually the right way from here? What am I noticing or seeing that is important given the path that I'm on for my life. I love that so much that you're saying that because I feel like, you know, the type of clients that I work with, and I'm sure also a lot of the people that are listening today are disconnected from that inner voice and they are more focused on, and I was like that too. And I think we can all relate to this at some point or the other, right? As you were saying, sometimes you kind of derail and you go out and you listen more to what other people think and say. And then, you know, something bad happens or like a traumatic event happens or you just have this realization that kind of pulls you back into yourself and being more authentic with yourself. Um, you brought up a really important um, topic and um, that I do want to kind of dive with you a little bit deeper into, which is kind of that listening to your inner voice with all of the external chatter and noise um, and you know that adds in relationships you mentioned relationships and maybe losing yourself a little bit in that and I would like to kind of even bring that wider right as I was saying like the corporate context right all these societal norms of you need to go to high school and then you need to go to college and then you get a corporate job um, and then you climb the corporate ladder right kind of this kind of this ideal that we all that a lot of us have had in their lives. Um, can you tell us more about your experience when you were maybe disconnected from your inner voice in a relationship? Like a personal relationship or even like the relationship with my work? Yeah, relationship with your work would be wonderful. Yeah, I'm reminded vividly right now of start of 2018 
And it was a year after my fiance and I separated and I had really, after her and I separated, it really put me back on my path of what's my life about? What am I really here for? What am I doing? Um, what's next? Because up, up until that point in my corporate work, I, I, did a, I spent the better part of a decade supporting Google, building out a national sales and support team. And I loved it. Like I came in on the ground floor of a startup wing that they'd put up, started and came in as an individual contributor with the vision of becoming a director. And over the course of four years, promoted seven times into that while building out a hundred person team around the US. And I loved it. It was so full of passion and zest and aliveness. Mm -hmm. And it was all the things I loved. And then fast forward, it was after my separation, I started to really look at my life and started to realize that I had gotten really kind of stuck in my career. And that what had used to bring me a lot of aliveness, a lot of that joy of like the client relationships, the business development, the money allocations, all the pieces of running a business. And I noticed that I was just like, feels off. Something feels off. And what I remember doing really fun, it's still funny to me, was I had postponed traveling numerous times in my 20s for relationships that later ended. And then I came back to myself I'm like, why did I, why do I keep doing this to myself? And so that desire and hunger to see the world, I decided to put five countries in a hat and draw one and then go. And it ended up being the Philippines. So I drew the Philippines from a hat and I'm not saying anyone has to do the, the intense route that I tend to do. But <laughs> then I, that night, that night I booked a month long trip to the Philippines, created an out of an office plan sent it to the VP of the company and said, I'm going to be out of the office for a month offline. This is how things are going to run. Mm -hmm. And I went on that trip and I went with the intention of one, allowing myself to reconnect to what it is to have fun because I'd lost my way on that. Mm -hmm. And then two, it was to actually start figuring out like what is actually missing for me right now? Something is off. Something is missing. What is it? And it's amazing how much an environmental change can make a big difference, especially if, you're, um, if your current environment is not one that sources openness, that opens creativity. Mm -hmm. And so... Where did I you remember... live before you moved to the Philippines? And, well, sorry, not moved, but you, you went there on vacation. But where did you live at the time? I was in Austin, Texas. Okay. And I remember when I got there... I had such a, I was like a 30 hour trip. I didn't sleep well. Um, I'd never been to a foreign country besides Ireland, which is a very different experience if you're American <laughs> going to Ireland versus the Philippines. And I remember just the overwhelming sensory experience when I came in. I hadn't booked a place to stay. I was literally doing it all as I went. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember how overwhelming that experience was. And yet stepping through it all, Fast forward like a day or two into the journey, and I'm sitting at a coffee table at a hostel that's in a tree house, which is pretty cool. And I'm just like drinking coffee and writing, I'm writing, I'm writing, and all these thoughts, all these emotions, all these unprocessed memories are just like coming out on paper. I'm crying and sobbing, and like all this stuff's coming out, and anger's coming out, and some fears coming out. And I kept writing and writing. And then I got to two realizations that were at the bottom of the well. 
that brought me back to my inner teacher, my inner guidance, my intuition, my heart, whatever you want to call it. I won't get caught in semantics. And it was after I filled up half a notebook, it was two things. One, this work you've been doing in corporate has served your life so well. It helps you bring yourself up into a space in the world where you can support yourself in ways you've, you've never seen your family do. It helps you lift off in very beautiful ways. And there were so many things that I was reminded of, many great memories and moments and all the different things. And so while I'm sitting here with gratitude for this realization, like, yeah, it's been pretty cool. The yeah, second one hit me and it was, and it's time to let it go. And that was the hard one to look at. The one that said, and it's time to let go of these golden handcuffs because you're not meant to stay here anymore. Mm-hmm. And so all of that to connect to those two realizations that then I had to come back home and live. Mm-hmm. And how was that? So one, it was first off, just a, that that's a memory in the Philippines has been imprinted in me ever since because I had lost my way for a little while. Mm-hmm. And it really reminded me the importance of writing. It really reminded me the importance of getting to know my own voice at a deeper level and the different voices that exist within me. And so that was a really profound experience that I talk about frequently. And then it was, okay, now that I realize this, I've got to come home and live this realization, just like I lived that realization from the wheelchair that I was meant to have a better life. I had to come home and start living it each day. What does it mean that I'm meant to leave? What does that look like? Where am I trying to go? What am I inspired by? What do I want to create? And so I had to come back and spend time with all these questions because the realization is just step one. Mm-hmm. Then you got to actually determine like what comes next. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be actually the scariest part. And yeah. so How long did it take you to uh, actually leave the corporate world after that? So I came back and it was very clear in my energy, my body, my orientation to life had shifted dramatically. There was no part of me that knew that or met, thought that I was meant to stay. Within a couple of weeks, couple of months of being back, I told my direct reports, the ones that reported me, that I would be leaving. I said, I don't have a date, but I want to make sure it's a smooth transition for you all and that it's easy and the business is running well. And so I let them know and started kind of just working on that while also working on my departure plan. And then I remember having a conversation with the VP I reported to at the time. He goes, where do you want to be in five years? And this was like a month after I was back. Mm-hmm. And I, I love how that happened. And I go, not here. And that then sparked more inspiration to leave. And then fast forward about a month later, so I think we're about two and a half months in from me getting back from the Philippines. Um, he goes, I, it seems like you're just not here as much as you were. And that's when I realized I was out of integrity with myself because mm-hmm. I don't want to be going somewhere and working and getting paid and I'm not really in it. That just mm-hmm. goes against my own inte- my own integrity. Mm-hmm. And so when I got that message, I scheduled a call with them the next day and had already laid out an, a secession plan for me to leave. And I told them, I said, I'm going to be leaving and I'm willing to give up to four months, whatever you need, just to make sure it's smooth. Uh, but I was out and I think it was like six weeks. They just needed me for six weeks to help find someone. And so it only took a few months. Yeah, it... It wasn't easy, but there was so much in me that was 
remembering the early experiences in the hospital and some of those big mm -hmm. moments where it was like, mm -hmm. I, I can't ignore the reality of this for me. I'm done. Mm -hmm. And to sit here and stay in this work, I'm going to suffocate. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't willing to do that. Yeah. And it's actually really powerful. I think it's really cool that you came back and you followed through with it, right? Because I think how often do people have maybe that inner voice or that glimpse of, I don't really know if I'm happy here or happy there, right? But then we kind of shut it down again and we come back and we're like, oh, that was, you know, I was in the Philippines and I was in a little different mindset. <laughs> um, but now I'm back here and everybody's working and everybody's in the corporate world and I'm surrounding myself with that energy. So I'm just shutting that down and I come back um, to just my my normal life, right? So I think the courage for you, of you to like go through this process and maybe not know what's happening next, but still taking this super scary step is very, it's very cool to see. You know what I would add to that? So you, you mentioned a very real challenge and it's, um, you know, you go on this trip and you're like, you see all these things that you don't normally see. And then you come back to your environment and you're like, well, the environment's pulling me in a very different direction. So we can easily go, oh, you know, that that was just because I was on a trip and mm -hmm. and we can shut it down and it's okay. And it's normal. It's very, as I tell my clients, it's very human. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing that can be challenged for us when we're in corporate is beginning to discover who are we without corporate? Who are we actually? Mm -hmm. Because corporate becomes so much of our we rise the identity yeah yeah it's like who am i without this and that was so i told you i left in a couple months but when the 60 and 70 hour work weeks came to a grinding halt i had to figure out who the hell am i without all these meetings who am i without my title of director who am i without the 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 being able to say oh i support google um like what who am i without all this? can i mm -hmm. find my own sense of balance and happiness and enjoyment without all those things as significant of my value and identity and that's a hard thing to look at yeah very hard and so how how do you help people find fulfillment hmm. well i would start with you know kind of going back to the first theme of how we help people reconnect to their creativity their inner lives we have to start with reconnecting to your inner life first hmm. so fulfillment is something we begin to experience down the road and is an ongoing process. It's not a destination. And first we have to actually come back to what is it to be me? What is my inner life? What is my inner life now? And so to really make that tangible for listeners, you know, the first step is really getting clear on, and you can write about it. You can do an audio uh, recording. You can talk to your friends about it, but really answer the question, what is the current state and the reality of my life? And that means looking at every nook and cranny of your life, meaning how are your relationships? What's going on there? What's going on in your finances? What's going on in your emotions? What's happening in your body? What's happening with your with fun and play? Like really taking the time to get present with what is real now? Because until we're really clear on the current state of our life, none of this other stuff matters. And, and we can get lost in story and imagination of what's something we want, but we're ignoring what's real now. So that's the first place. Because it's when we do that, we're going to start getting really clear on what our current inner life is and our life really is. 
The second piece of that is then moving into what is guiding my source of direction, meaning like what is actually guiding me every day? Am I guided by the need for safety because of the job and what it offers me? Am I guided by uh, unspoken or spoken expectations of a spouse, siblings, children, parents that keep me in this job every day? And I'm just using only the context of work right now. What is actually my source of guidance and direction? What is the actual source? Because sometimes this was can where it gets get messy. A client of mine that I was talking to was talking about an opportunity that was coming up and how he was afraid that if he didn't get it, it would let down his partner. And I said, did she say that? He goes, well, no. And I said, then how do you know you'll let her down? And, and so the thing is, is starting to realize our own narratives that are actually built on lies that are built on things that are not actually spoken and are our own protection measures to keep us from actually changing anything. And so starting there and getting clear again on the interstate, then what's actually guiding you. These are two of the most self-honest things you can do. They're two of the most difficult things you can do. And they're about the most rewarding thing you can do. Because it starts to feel, we start to feel a little less powerless and stuck when we start to realize we're creating it all. Um, but that can also be one of the things we want to push away and not see. So we're like, no, no, no. It's the economy's fault. No, 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 no. It's because I didn't make that decision to go to that company two years ago. That's the real problem. No, it's not. So those are the two big pieces to start with. Then going from there is the third piece is really getting clear on what's actually blocking your source of wisdom. So when I say wisdom, it is that connection to that place in you that says, this is what's most important. This is what matters to me. This is who I really am or sense that I could be. This is the life that feels right for me. If we can start to find that place in us, even just a little bit, and then start to navigate looking at what's actually blocking it. And it could be someone's opinions. It could be us being overly concerned with what people say. We can find a different lot of different things that are blocking it. And just to begin with, for everyone listening, because I imagine I'm not the only doer and action-oriented achiever on this call, you don't need to run into action when you see it. Start with seeing it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how just noticing something that's been steering us or pulling us forward by the nostril for years can already start to change it automatically. And then new actions will show up. And then there's one more for this. When you start getting clear on what's blocking your guidance and that guidance that is hiding behind and they're waiting for you because you've gotten clear on the current state of your life, then you get to more of the fun part that can also be challenging is what are the deeper longings that are unfulfilled inside of you? What are the things that you hear on your heart make you want to sing and yet at the same time you try to rationalize in the way you're like maybe that's just a pipe dream because i haven't experienced it maybe it's not real and so what are those deeper longings that you're not letting yourself see if you can go through those few things then you can start getting into the action-oriented pieces like giving yourself permission having the conversations working with the money all those the practical things but you can't do that without doing this first and I literally take my clients through this process because without this, anything we talk about is kind of moot. 
We can get you into action, but why are you in action? What's it really sourced from? I love these questions. Thank you so much for sharing those with us. Um, and one big question came up for me as you were taking us through those four questions, which is how to cope with the scary emotions and how to be really honest with yourself. Because I think there's even, we are like even subconsciously blocking ourselves from speaking our full truth. So you want to know what we do with those scary emotions? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not going to go the route of saying feel fear, feel the fear and do it anyways. While there is some relevancy and use to that, it's, it needs to be a bit more nuanced. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, first off, we've got to start by respecting our psyches and our minds. There's too much, in my opinion, of people out in the world that are saying, damn your mind, stop listening to your mind, it's limited and all these things. And yes, you know, compared to the wholeness of what we are, they are. They're not meant to be the leader of our lives. We just somewhere along the line, evolutionary, decide this is going to be the leader. And so first, it's actually starting to develop a healthy respect and appreciation that our minds got us to where we are at in many ways. And being able to say, hey, thanks, brain. Thanks for being brilliant. Thanks for doing your best to help feed my family, to clothe me to show me cool experiences. If we can come in it from that standpoint first, that appreciation, that respect, then we can start to look at what are these emotions trying to show me? And can I let myself feel it just for a minute? You don't have to go full force into it. And if you're not familiar with it, I actually wouldn't recommend you just like completely pour yourself mm -hmm. in because it could be too much. Mm -hmm. But if you can just first by starting with that respect, then just saying what emotion is present. And if it's fear, just asking, how is fear showing in my body? And what is it trying to tell me? Because what is going to likely happen, you'll start to see is that the nuance is it's a protection measure to keep us from being hurt. It's a protection measure from us growing too fast. And so sometimes if we go deep enough into it, we can see that, oh, well, the fear isn't fully saying, don't go do this thing. It's actually offering me a chance to get more curious and go, huh, well, what do I need to do to make this a little better? So for example, I'll make it real. When I left corporate, I didn't have any clients coming in yet. I think I had had one and it was my first client. I was charging like 25 an hour and definitely not enough to sustain my life. Um, but I remember that the thing around money was a big deal for me. Money in my relationship had been a challenging thing all my life. But I knew I was leaving. And I was like, well, I feel so much fear around money. What can help? Well, what helped was, one, I'd already decided I was willing to use my savings. But what helped me take it a step further was I built out a budget for the next, the next seven months, a runway, and then even built out little what-if statements. Like, if I reach this amount of money, what am I going to do? If this happens, what am I going to do? That was enough to appease the fear in my mind that allowed me to progress further to what I knew I was really meant to do. And so it's it's befriending our emotions as best we can and noticing they're not there to hurt us. We're not there to fight them. And if we can learn the wisdom from them, it can actually serve for the life we want. Mm. Yeah, I love how you're breaking these these things down and you have these kind of like micro goals not 
just for your financial plan, for example, but even just feeling that emotion for one minute. I love that. I think that's it's something I've never heard before. And it makes so much sense to be like, yeah, just feel it for a minute and then go and then you can get back out of it. And it kind of makes it a lot less scary in the moment to feel the emotion for a second or for a minute. So yeah, very, very powerful. And so, you know, a lot of people may listen now and may think, okay, um, I really want to stay in corporate. I actually really like this job and it really fulfills me. And I, I want to find, I still want to find my inner voice. Um, you know, how can you bridge that corporate with spirituality? Is that, is that even possible? Yeah, it is. And, you know, it depends on how you really look at spirituality. I will just give context of how I define spirituality. And it's really about living the fullest expression of your potential. It's about really becoming the fullest version of your mind, your body's capacity, and your heart's capacity. And so when we're on that path, which is the one I've been on for two decades, we're on a spiritual path. What happens, though, is, you know, let's say, for example, you're an executive and you've been in your position or climbing the ranks for 20 years. Who you were when you came in the door 20 years ago is not who you are today. Mm. But have you actually taken the time to figure out who are you today? Mm. What's changed in you? How has life forged a new person, a new being? Mm. And so if you want to stay in corporate, that's great. It's really about what's right for you. And if anyone tries to tell you what's right for you, I wouldn't listen to them. Figure out for yourself. Um, but if you want to stay and you want to connect to that inner voice, I would still encourage you to do the same things I just said. So take those same steps that I mentioned earlier, those four questions, and do it again. Mm -hmm. And you, you can still find that, oh, well, here's the current state of my life. You can start to find out what that inner voice looks like, what's blocking it. And then if you want to, you could even take it a step further and start to say, well, where was I at when I joined this company? And where, where do I see myself as at now? Who have I become? Those questions can also just start to create a demarcation point of, oh, yeah, I'm not that 25-year-old that started my corporate gig. I'm now this man that has now learned all this, experienced this, grown into this. And just even that can help you start tapping into the voice, too. Mm -hmm. Do you work mostly with men or also with women? You know, actually, majority of my clients have been women. It's only been okay. in the past year that I've started running men's groups. Wonderful. I work yeah. with both. Cool. Yeah. I'm asking you this question because I feel like, I mean, I, I know that women will obviously kind of connect to that message. I think we are maybe a little bit more connected to our inner voice than men sometimes are, not to generalize things, but I think that's may, maybe how it is. Um, but yeah, I think there's a big shift um, for men. And I've, I've been working with men actually the whole time I've been running my business, men and women, but um, yeah, I think this is such a powerful message and I'm so happy that you're bringing it out into the world. You know, I'm actually curious now that mm -hmm. you said that and I love that you brought that up is if you were to create some discernment between what I've been sharing that may be more uh, landing well for women mm -hmm. and maybe we missed the ball a little bit on what we could add for men because we are different and that's, mm -hmm. Kurt, that's perfectly okay. It's the way it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What would you potentially add that might open up some of the things we've said for men a little bit more, just from everything that's been talked about so far? 
I think this is my observation and feeling. I don't know if that's true because I'm not a man and, and I would need to ask some male clients if that's true. But I think in general, men are oftentimes more scared to connect to their feelings or they're more scared to uh, to be honest with themselves because, you know, they have this like societal role of, you know, you're the, bre the breadwinner and you like support the family and, you know, they... I don't think they've, they've they've really learned, except if they had an exceptionally uh, personally developed <laughs> mother, uh, which I have I have met men like that in in the past, um, and they are different because they are asking themselves exactly already the questions that you brought up today in some form or way, right? Um, but I think in general the the bigger part of the population, and you probably have maybe have seen that in your men's group as well, mm -hmm. is that yeah they don't really um give themselves almost permission to ask themselves these questions and as a man yourself i think it's really beautiful to bring that message across so i don't think that there was anything missing i think it's just to you know to share that more and i'm sure that you're already sharing it and we're sharing it today on the podcast and because we want to bring this message more out into the world is you know men if you're listening right now to this podcast like it's totally cool to ask yourself these questions and it's totally cool to not be fulfilled in your corporate job or to not be fulfilled in the current role that you have it doesn't have to be the company or you know there's there's so many opportunities and possibilities and things that you can do and um i think you know by speaking up matt you uh, give others the permission to do that as well you know, something that came up for me as you were talking around, you know, the accessibility with emotions is the emotions that men historically or typically are okay and allowed societally to experience our anger and frustration. We're allowed to feel those mm -hmm. um, because we can feel those and still feel powerful and not like we're falling off our white horse. And so, you know, if that's the case, if you're a man listening to this and Maybe you don't feel like you're connected to your inner voice. That's okay. Maybe you don't feel like you can discern fear or sadness or any of that in your life. That's okay too. Mm -hmm. My encouragement would be though, is look where frustration exists. Mm -hmm. See where your frustration shows up and then take some of these questions mm -hmm. and work your way backwards into those emotions. Yes, love that. Um, you know, and one other important thing that I do want to say as well is, is that I've actually just learned i wasn't i was never that aware of that i think before but i just learned that suicidal rates in men are much higher than women i think there's uh, uh suicide rates for men are i think at 80 percent and women 20 percent. don't quote me on that um but we unfortunately um my boyfriend just had a um, case of suicide in his family and was um, his cousin <clears throat> a man he was 29 years old, took his life. And and it's interesting because I've, you know, I, I've been kind of um, where I've been living. There's like a few su suicide cases uh, that have happened over the course of the last few years. And it was always men. And I think, you know, back to your question and back to what you were just saying in terms of like listening more to our inner voice and feelings, I think sometimes men f may not feel like they have the permission to share those feelings or they have 
they don't have the permission to to feel certain things or yeah and so I think that's why it is so so important to talk about these things and to uh, to approach other people as well and to um, you know when you're listening right now and you you know you may feel not very happy or depressed or maybe even have suicidal thoughts see how powerful it is when you're opening yourself up to someone um that you trust um and how much weight that can that can take off off of your shoulder as well the note i would add there is yes that, that capacity to release some of the pressure of holding everything in but do you have someone around you that you can actually open up to safely? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, that's a, a multi-sided coin because it can be that you believe you can't open up to your partner, but reality, you probably can't, or maybe you really can't. Cause I've experienced, for example, where when I was first getting in touch with my emotions and I don't say this to scare people away, but the partner I was with at the time said that my emotions disgusted her. Mm -hmm. And so that immediately shut me back down. Of course. So yeah. it's like, where in your world can you find that? Whether it's like a men's yeah. group like I run, or mm -hmm. it's a close friend of yours that maybe is exploring some of these things, or a, a support group, or just someone that you're like, man, I would just, I don't know what this is, but I just want to say mm -hmm. something about it. Can mm -hmm. you find that person? Um, so it's not, we, we've got to, and actually I just wanted to add one more thing. If you can't find that person right now, one of the things that was a lifesaver for me was writing. And so when my fiance and I separated and I didn't know who to talk about what was going on, I was experiencing so much pain around it, but I didn't know who to talk to about, let alone what to say or didn't want to be perceived a certain way. And so I just started writing every day and it became something where I took all of that pent up aggression, anger and emotion was able to get it out outside of me and put it on paper mm -hmm. and that in and of itself started to shift my mind shift my awareness of my emotions and actually shift my happiness yeah thank you for sharing that i couldn't agree more my listeners know i love journaling and i love to put thoughts to paper because that's one of the ways of how i digest a lot of the things that are on my mind as well um and you know it's really interesting you've talked a lot about that, that breakup and you know um and my listeners also know that I went I also went through a separation with my fiance two and a half years ago and it was an extremely traumatic um situation and experience for me um just emotionally not not because of the situation itself um but you know sometimes we're going through these these very difficult moments in our lives and we don't, we may not know the answer to where it is taking us and why this is happening to us, right? Because we sometimes think, oh, I thought I had figured my life out and I knew exactly where it was going. Um, and then all of a sudden it stops and you ask yourself, okay, what's now? And maybe some of you are listening right now and you are in a situation like that right now where you're like, oh my God, like my whole world came crashing down. I had no idea. I didn't expect anything or you know, we just maybe grew apart or whatever it is, or it could be a traumatic experience at work. It doesn't have to be necessarily a relationship, but just, you know, maybe if look at Matt and I, um, you know, a few years after that experience and how much it has shaped us and helped us grow and become the people that we are today. 
it's also, you know, a nuance or a distinction to add in there is that it, often the hardest experiences are the ones that help us grow the most. And I know we've probably all, most of us have heard that and it's like, eh, okay, it doesn't mean I want them. It's true. Probably don't want them, but they're going to, they tend to show up anyways. And mm -hmm. so what are you going to do with them when they come? And that's a really, and that's a conscious choice. Like, how do I want to be with this experience? How do I want to be with this separation? How do I want to be with this health scare? How do I want to be with this confusion? Because how you decide to show up for yourself in those moments or will dictate how things unfold for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, just to share my own experience, like I, I did not want this to happen. And I was so sad and so emotional for a very long period of time and um took me a very very long time to uh, step out of of that idea that I had in my head mm -hmm. um and I asked myself you know why is this happening to me and you know the, there were there were so many unresolved questions in my heart at the time and 100% absolutely brought me to a much better place today good good that it happened and at the time, I did not want to hear it. And people would tell me, you know, um, everything happens for a reason and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's true. Like, I did go into a very deep self-discovery and self-healing process at the time. Um, because it's kind of the only thing that was in my power, right? I couldn't control how how he was acting and what he wanted, what he wanted in his life. Um, and so it brought me on this path of honestly at the end of the day finding self-love um and that was that's honestly one of the most powerful paths that you can find in your life right yeah you know what i think is also a part of self the path no i don't think it is i know it is the power to the path of self-love is you made a note about you don't want to hear from people when you're not feeling okay when you're feeling down depressed angry whatever it is you don't want to hear people say Oh, it happens for a reason or you'll be okay mm -hmm. one day or any of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that actually is a really big way people deflect our experience and it actually push, will either piss us off mm -hmm. or just kind of push us away or put us in a shame cycle for the way we feel. And so one of the biggest messages I learned that is both self-love, self-compassionate for both the way I'm with people in my life and with myself is it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. If you can get past your own judgment, around not being okay. Who cares what anyone else thinks about you not being okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Matt, um, I think we could both continue this conversation, but I want to be mindful of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, what is the best way to connect with you up if people are listening and would love to um, learn more about what you do? Well, like I was sharing with you, I my whole two decades, these past two decades, has been about me being in an ongoing path of creating new clarity and new direction based on each moment of my life. And so because that has been the core of my journey for two decades, I created a guide to actually help people with it. So if people, after they watch the show, go to the show notes, and it's Matt matthoganworldwide.com forward slash clarity. And it's actually a guide that will help you start to create new clarity, whether that is I'm staying in corporate or I'm leaving corporate, and then actually being able to start diving deeper into connecting to that inner voice that we've been talking about today. So go download it. And my email is in there somewhere. So if you want to email me after you've started it, feel free to. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you so much. And last question, do you have a book that guided you on this journey that you uh, 
maybe you go back to uh, here and there because it was so full for you of inner truth and wisdom? I have three. Can I name three? Yes, please. Absolutely. And they all have a different different context for me. The the Alchemist by what is his name? Do you know his name? Uh Paolo Coelho. Paolo Coelho, thank you. Paolo. Um that book served me so well at the early stages of like mm -hmm. trying to figure out what is my life about from here. This was like right around the time I went to the Philippines. So that was a Nice. A beautiful book about connecting into a deeper connection of what it means to be alive. Mm -hmm. So that was really beautiful. Mm -hmm. The second one is called Slowing Down to the Speed of Life. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we have to look, I may have to send you the links for these because I'm not remembering the, the authors. That's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Um, Slowing Down to the Speed of Life. That one is really about helping us understand how we use our minds incorrectly and how that actually keeps us in cycles of overwhelm um actually disconnection burnout and confusion so it actually shows you how to start using your brain in a way that supports creativity and life feeling more like it's flowing like a river rather than feeling like it's a bunch of siloed pieces of uh just like a mess <laughs> that like a better term or as like no as a client said my life feels like a spreadsheet when i feel it mm -hmm. and he goes i don't want my life to feel like a spreadsheet so this book mm -hmm. helps with that mm -hmm. and then the third one which I would read this third, if you're going to get all three, go third in this order, as uh, Letting Go, The Art of Surrender by Dr. David Hawkins. And this one takes a whole new level of, offers a whole new level of what it means to grow in our personal evolution and the way we work with our emotions and our feelings. It, it's, cool. it's a pretty advanced book uh, in mm -hmm. terms of like working with your emotions, but just reading it, he does it so simply and so beautifully that it is, that's what makes it so advanced. He does it so easy and simply. It's not complex and hard to take in. Yeah, so cool. Thank you so much. I'm very glad that I asked this question. That last, the last two books, I don't know the uh, um, slowing down to the speed of life and the, the last one either. Um, so definitely put that on my list of books to read as well. Thank you so much, Matt. For those of you that are listening today and that feel like this message needs to be brought to more people, please make sure to share this episode with your friends or your colleagues or your manager or your partner, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your mom, your dad. Um, this is helping us spread this message as well. That is a really, really important one. So thank you so much already in advance for doing that. And that leaves me just to say thank you so much for listening today and for watching this podcast if you are on the video. And um, thank you so, so much, Matt, for sharing your wonderful message with us. This was such a powerful podcast episode. So I'm really, really glad that we did that together. I wish you a wonderful rest of your day as well. And I hope to hear you in the next podcast episode. Thank you, Julia. It was really an honor to be here today.